All right, so we've been studying um, in the last, um, today being the fourth part in the discourse, we've been talking about the believer's leverage. The believer's leverage. And we have established the fact that being a believer comes with so many advantages, right? There is um, a preferential experience as its way that comes alongside being a believer. There are certain things that should automatically manifest or that a believer should enjoy simply because he has given his life to Christ. But just like we have established, it is one thing for something to be available, is another thing for it to be accessible. It is one thing for a thing to be available, is another thing for it to be accessible. And our scriptural text is still from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 to 14 and Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 to 14. The Bible says in Galatians 3, 13 to 14, it says Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Being made a cause for us, there is an echo, please let's, um, being made a cause for us, for it is written, cost is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through faith. So one of the things we need to realize is that everything that has been made available in redemption will be gotten through faith. Everything that has been made available is not just going to be um, assessed anyhow. Um, the requirement is that you must have faith for it. For instance, we've spoken about the fact that um, uh, one of the most important leverage a believer has is divine guidance. To access divine guidance, you must have faith in it. Nobody is led by the Spirit of God if you don't have faith in it, if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe there is a necessity for it, or if you don't even believe that you can be guided by the Spirit of God. And that's why the Bible says that we will receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Through faith. It is one thing to know it. It is another thing to release your faith for it. So for instance, a lot of people believe that God wants them to be healthy. But it's one thing to know God wants you to be healthy. It's another thing to release your faith, right, for health. Everybody, you see, uh, there is nobody that would dispute it that God can make them rich. But how many people are releasing their faith, right, to experience continuous supply? And that's why, you know, sometimes in many people's Christian experience, there's a lot of frustration. Because even though they know what has been available, they don't understand that to access it to require faith. And you see, when we hear the word faith, faith is not one humongous, you know, a concept meant for only some um, spiritual juggernauts as it were. Maybe someone that has fasted for a zillion days, you know, and say, ah, that man has faith. Because there are even people who fast a lot who don't have faith. Faith simply means you stake your life on what God has said. Faith simply means you get to that point where you believe God's word for his word. Where you believe that God cannot lie. If he has said it, I believe it. Right? If he has said it, then I'm going to do whatever his word already says that I must do in order for me to have this manifested in my life. Colossians 1, 12 to 14, the Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father, who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So it's something to be grateful for. It's something to be excited about. 
That's why Apostle Paul here is saying to the saints, writing to the church in Colossae, that they should give thanks unto the Father. Why? Because they have something that the average person does not have. And he calls it an inheritance. He said he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So it simply means in dealing with the power of darkness because most times I've realized that many people fall onto extreme sides. There are some extreme schools of thought that believe there are no demons. There are, the power of darkness is nothing. Right? And there are some extremes that believe that everything is the power of darkness. In fact, if you see a cockroach movement, ah, they have come. <laughs> you know, so there are extremes. And we must learn not to, you see, be at either extremes. We must learn to, you know, uh, 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 be in the place of balance. In a place of balance. So the Bible says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Right? And he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And you see here, Apostle Paul also acknowledging that there is a power of darkness. But one of the advantages you and I have as believers is that we are no longer subject to the power of darkness. Why? Because we have been removed from under the control of the power of darkness. For instance, in every nation there are powers. There is a power of the Nigerian government, right? There is a power of the, you know, a, a United Kingdom government. There is a power, right, of the United States government. So if an individual decides to relocate from Nigeria, maybe to Canada or to the U.S. or maybe Scotland or whatever, it simply means they have been translated from the kingdom of Nigeria, right, to another country. You see, as it's where the power, the government of Nigeria no longer has a right over them. No longer has authority, right? And if they now get to that country and they become a citizen, even if they are criminals, right? You cannot just go there and pick them and bring them back. The government must approve you, uh, approve it before they are extradited. So that's what the Bible is trying to say here. That you and I, we are no longer under the influence of the power of darkness. We have been translated, right? It's not just a relocation. It's like a change of citizenship. So the power of darkness no longer has a right and authority over you. And it tells us how we come into that. It says in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So all this was made possible, right, by the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Not the blood of rams, not the blood of goats like they had it in the, under the Old Testament. Because all those practices was a, a shadow of the things that were to come. Because the Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain even from the foundations of the world. And it was talking about Jesus, right, in prophecy. So everything that happened, right, was a reflection or a, a revelation, as it were, of what was going to happen. So we said the first leverage a believer has is divine guidance. And we said that the reason why a lot of people are not guided by the Spirit of God is because of ignorance. Some people don't expect it, right? They are ignorant, ignorant of divine guidance, the concept, the necessity, the value that lies therein. Number two, we said distraction. Number three, human opinions and considerations. Number four, carnality. Number five, busyness and a couple of other things. And we said last on Sunday, right, we started by talking about um, the areas in which you must be guided 
divided. We said number one, your assignment. Number two, your life partner. Number three, your place of worship. Number four, your pastor. Number five, your mentor. Number six, where you live. And number seven is in the area of friendship. You must never take these areas for granted. You have to be led in these areas. And we said the second leverage, right, is the heavenly language. In every kingdom, in every nation, right, there is a language that identifies a people group. And in the kingdom of God, there is also a language, right? There is a language. There is a language. The Bible refers to it as tongues. And we also understood on Wednesday, there are three, three types of tongues, right? We said number one is the tongues of men. Number two is a tongue of angels. And number three are unknown tongues. It simply means every time you pray in tongues, you are either speaking in the tongues of men, you are speaking in the tongues of angels, or you are speaking in an unknown tongue right so we spoke about that extensively how many of us were blessed on sunday right and how many of us went back home and you still spoke in tongues how many of us i hope you practiced it all right because it's not the area hearers alone right that is blessed but the doer of the word so i want to start out tonight by talking about how to pray effectively in the spirit how to pray effectively in the spirit before i thought talk about the third leverage how do you pray effectively in the spirit because many know they should pray in tongues, many pray in tongues, but how do you make it effective? That is, how do you derive more value out of it? How do you make it more beneficial, right, uh, when you're practicing it? Number one, when you want to pray in tongues, go into God's presence with thanksgiving and praise, right? Go, you see, that's the protocol of access in the kingdom, gratitude thanksgiving psalms 95 and verse 2 the bible says let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms let us come before him with thanksgiving not with requests you see no matter how dire how desperate a need is to come into god's presence with that need right is, is wrong access you will be denied no matter who you are no matter how desperate your need is the bible says you come into his presence with thanksgiving with thanksgiving so you don't just start out you see uh, uh, and i'm talking about when you're creating time and you really want to pray effectively in the spirit you start by gratitude you start by thanksgiving right and thanksgiving you see is the expression of uh or let me say the acknowledgement of what god has done it's not you see what many people call thanksgiving is really not thanksgiving it's traditional expression when you say you are, you know, in, uh, especially in the Yoruba tribe that I'm most familiar with, you know, they have different names they use for deity. So people translate such things into the kingdom. Now, it is not wrong, but you need to understand that it's not Thanksgiving. You are the biggest, the highest. The, you see, all those things, it's like you are trying to psych somebody up. Now, it is not wrong, but it's not Thanksgiving. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just like I come to Mr. Bolu and I say, Mr. Bolu, you are the tallest, the handsomest, the whatever. I'm not not th- i'm not thanking him i've not said thank you thanksgiving simply means you mention certain things he has done that's why you cannot give thanks effectively if there is no thoughtfulness so you can say you are the healer the rafa the i am that i am that's not thanksgiving it's simply religious expression is somebody getting understanding tonight so thanksgiving simply means uh, you see is explanatory you need the religion to confuse you thanksgiving simply means you are giving thanks and you can't just say thank you. Thank you for what? If I come to you now and I say thank you, and it's not that you just finished doing something for me. Naturally, even if you don't say it out, the question in your mind will be for what? So when you come into God's prayer and we just say thank you. He's wondering for what? Because I've done many things. In fact, that ability to say thank you is something to thank me for. 
Because not everybody that can say thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? So you come into his presence with thanksgiving. You acknowledge the things he has done. Number two, you have to eradicate from your heart every form of animosity, strife, or ill will. Eradicate from your heart any form of animosity, strife, or ill will. Unforgiveness in your heart is a stumbling block. You can never validate unforgiveness or strife. <laughs> you can never validate it. No matter what is causing it, you see, if, even if that unforgiveness has come from a point where it is obvious you can justify it. Oh, this person promised this, me this and they didn't do it. Or we're in the business deal together and this person defaulted. No matter what it is, you see, you don't forgive because the, uh, because, um, uh, the person is, or maybe because you are right or the person is wrong. You forgive because you have understanding that it will hinder your prayers. That's why when there was strife between the men of, you know, Abraham and, Stra uh, 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 and Lot, Abraham was smart enough. You see, Abraham should actually have called Lot, sat him down, and given him the talk of his life. But you see, Abraham understood how these things work. That <laughs> I might chastise this guy, but his presence, right, is invoking strife. And if I let him go that way in strife, it will affect my ability to communicate with God. So he called him. He said, what do you want? Oh, choose the best of lands. Go in peace. You see, and the man that cleared his heart got more blessed. You see, when well, you want to go into the place of God's presence, remember there is a discerner, right, of the thoughts and the intents of man. He can see everything. So you must learn to open your heart, right, release every form of negativity as it were. You look at someone like Stephen. They were stoning Stephen to death. And Stephen, you see, the Bible says they looked up to heaven and said like Jesus, that God should not charge the, you know, his murderers with that sin. You see, even in the place of death, when he could have, <laughs> if he had caused them, maybe God would have approved it. That would be true, these people should be caused. But it's like God don't charge it to them. You see, many of us, the people we want to kill, we don't know God has plans for them. Because one of the people that were stoning Stephen that day, the first matter, right, was Paul. It was actually Saul who eventually became Paul the Apostle. So if he had said God consume them, Romans would have been consumed, First Timothy would have been consumed, Second Timothy would have been consumed, First Thessalonians. <laughs> Remember there was a time Jesus was going to a particular city and they didn't accept him. You see, and the Bible says James and John told Jesus, they must have read about Elijah. He said, Jesus, let's call fire from heaven. Jesus corrected them. He said, we are here to build life, not to destroy it. The fact that Elijah did it, he didn't have understanding, doesn't mean it was right. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says the things that were written at four times, they were written for our examples. Maybe that's one of the reasons God had to take him through a chariot. <laughs> through a chariot, right? Was that how God took him? Uh -huh. If you still believe chariot, you have not believed. Maybe you are just coming to the gate, or you have not read your Bible well. That's why God took him early, right? Through a whirlwind. You see, God had to take him early before he burns the whole country. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So eradicate from your heart every form of animosity, strife, or he will. Number three, stop praying in other tongues in spite of how you feel. Stop praying in tongues in spite of how you feel. Many times people are waiting to feel in the spirit before they start praying in the spirit. You see, I love what, you know, um, Paul the Apostle said. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 13 to 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 to 14. 1 Corinthians 13, 14, 13 to 14. 
Alright. I want us to read it out loud together. One to go. Wherefore let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. For if what? If what? If I pray in an unknown tongue. So it simply means I'm the one that will do the praying. You can decide to pray in the spirit. You know, I grew up in a denominational, you know, um, circle whereby we're made to believe that there was a day where everybody must tarry to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, there is a place of tarrying. There's nothing wrong about that, right? Because um, there is one um, baptism, but there are several feelings, right? The same way, that's what the Bible says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith because the level can drop. So you can refill, right? So we were made to believe that the Holy Ghost, you know, after that day, he will leave. Then you have to, you know, <laughs> stir him up for him to come back again. You see, you don't need stirring up. As long as you have that spirit, you can do that stirring. That's why Paul the Apostle says, I will pray. Hi. Not that, you know, after the Holy Spirit has moved and there is a lot of shaking and there is a lot of noise, then the Holy Spirit will move me to pray. No. The same way you can pray in your understanding and you don't need feelings to pray in your understanding. You see, if you read further than it says, I will pray in my spirit. It says, and I will pray with my understanding also. You see, so it simply means the same way you can pray in your understanding without needing any form of feeling, right? You can pray in your spirit. As a matter of fact, if you want that feeling, keep praying in tongues, um, in, in tongues continuously. That feeling will come. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But we are not, we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. We live by faith. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 of 4, when you read it, the Bible says when the Spirit came upon them, right, as cloven tongues, the Bible says they all began. They, not the Spirit forced their mouth to open. Not and the only something was heavy in their mouth. They said, ah, this is who heavy, let's peel it out. No, they began. The words rose up in their spirit, just like it happens to every one of us. And you see, that's why I said everything that you're going to receive in the kingdom and you're going to access has to be by faith. You see, because praying in tongues itself is an act of faith. Because if you are doing it right, you don't even know the next words that will come out of your mouth. Because it should be influenced by the Spirit. But you know, you can be, that's why sometimes you hear me say things like, don't be mechanical about it. Because you can be so used to the tongues you are saying that you are just speaking it dry. And you yourself, you can, you will just know that, no, this is not being influenced by the Spirit. It is being influenced by storage. What you have had yourself say over time. You know, or what be what you have had other people say. And you begin to regurgitate, right? So start praying in other tongues in spite of how you feel. Number four, tarry in his presence until you have lost all sense of personal and environmental consciousness. Tarry in his presence. That is, keep praying. You see, now, this cannot happen every day, especially if you have a job, you see, and you have resumption time, you have a business, you see, but you must consistently um, create pockets of time in your life where you just say, you know what, today I want to spend time in God's presence. I want to tarry in his presence, right? And you keep at it, you keep praying. You see, if it's not something you are, you've been, um, I think I mentioned this on Sunday, if it's not something you have been committed to, it might take a while before you get into the flow. Do you understand? But keep at it. If it's 30 minutes that it takes you to get into the flow, keep at it. If it's three hours, stay there. And there are times, you see, that when you start praying in tongues, you will realize that the burden has not been lifted. You see, you must create times in your life such that you get to that point that you don't stop praying until you feel that refreshing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So number five, keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. 
So number four, tarrying his presence until you have lost all sense of personal and environmental consciousness. If you are still uh, very conscious of yourself, conscious of the environment, conscious of your voice. Now I'm not saying you should, that's not a license to disturb everybody, praise the Lord. But if you are still conscious of that, you have not gotten there yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've not gotten there yet, right? If you still think, um, while you are praying, you think you have prayed for one hour, and by the time you check the time, <laughs> it's just five minutes. It means you've not gotten there yet. You know? I remember you say, and for those of us that you don't have responsibilities, that's when I mean responsibilities, you are not married, right? Or maybe you are still um, a student or whatever. This is the best season of your life to do some of these things. I remember when I was, you know, still a student in the university, um, one of the few times I would go home because I never had holidays, right? Not because there was no holiday in my school, but, you know, the time everybody would go home was the time I spent developing myself, you know, so I really went home. So maybe an holiday of two or three months, I would only spend a week or two. I would go back to school and just read, pray. And I remember one of those times when I went home, it wasn't something I decided to do. You see, I would wake up in the morning, you know, and my parents, you know, they would be going to work around uh, maybe seven, thereabouts, you know, it's a bad one, so you can leave seven. <laughs> you better don't try it in Lagos. <laughs> you know, wake up seven and, you know, be on their way to work, and I'll start praying. You know, and maybe on a couple of occasions, I was still praying when they came back from work. And I remember one of those days, my mom said, ah, I kids, everything okay. <laughs> because what would make this young guy at this age to be praying like and it wasn't like I timed myself like okay we pray till they come back since there is nothing to do no I was just lost in the flow and since there was nowhere to go I just said just keep at it there's nothing I wanted to do at that time that would be more important than that let me tell you this when you do that you don't know the investment you are making into the future because when you are praying in tongues you are making cost corrections some of us are praying 10 years ahead of time and you don't know you are praying 20 years ahead of time. Some of us are praying about your life partner. The reason why you will not make certain errors is because of the investment you have made in the spirit. You will just not make certain financial errors simply because you have spent time praying in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, Tyre, stay there. Keep at it until, number one, you have had or seen something. Your mind was not privy to before you started praying. So I want to talk about three things you must do while keeping at it. You don't stop praying. Keep at it until one, you hear or see something. Your mind, right, was not privy to before you started praying. Number two, keep at it until you receive greater clarity or answer over a specific issue in your life. Keep at it until you receive greater clarity or answer over a specific issue in your life. So sometimes you might just be confused about certain things. You are not sure of what decision to make. And I don't know what that decision may be. Right? Stay in that place of praying in tongues until you receive clarity. Until you receive the answer. And let me tell you something. I say, how do I know when I've received the answer? When you receive it, you will know. Because how everybody will know will be different. But you will get to that point and you will just know this is it. You will just know this is it. Nobody can tell you this is it. Especially when you want to make critical decisions in your life. Decisions that the moment you make it, you know it will alter the course of your life. You will be very not, you will be very unwise, right? To make that decision and say, ah, I don't really have that time. That time that you don't have, ah, it will wait for you in the future. You must just create the time. Even if you don't have time during the day, lose your sleep over it. And create that time in the night. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Also keep at it until you know within yourself something has happened to you. You might not receive clarity, 
You might not receive an idea, but pray. Keep, keep praying in tongues until you know. You just know that something has happened. You just know something has happened. You just know something has happened. Hallelujah. You just know something has happened. Uh, like I t- told us in church on Sunday, there was a time in my life I used to be very shy, very timid, you know. And those people gave me an instruction to listen to a particular person. And I kept listening. And one of the things, maybe one of the things I've not said, I know I've mentioned that before. One of the things I didn't mention is that while I was listening to, you know, it was a particular message, right? Of a particular man of God, God told me to be listening to in that season of my life. I could literally preach the message back to back. Not because I was listening to be able to repreach it. And I was not even a pastor then. Right, but I had it so much, hundreds of time. But one of the things that happened was that as I will be listening, I'll be praying in tongues. I'll be praying in tongues. I will pray in tongues to the point where I will pray in tongues and fall asleep. When I wake up again, I'll continue. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So keep at it until you know something has happened to you. Until you know, you might not be able to say maybe at 12.05 a.m. on the 17th of April 2021, this happened. But you will just notice that in the season of your life that something has happened. When the spirit of timidity left me, I knew. I just knew. How did you know? I can't explain it, but I just knew. I just knew. I couldn't look at people in the eye. No matter who the person was. Praise the Lord. Number six, yield yourself completely to the flow of the Holy Spirit. Yield yourself completely. To the flow of the Holy Spirit. Don't hold back. Yield yourself. Yield yourself. Let it go. Let go of yourself. Number seven, don't leave your mind blank or allow it to wander when you're praying in tongues. Don't leave your mind blank or allow it to wander. And how do you do that? By ensuring you focus on something when you're praying in tongues. Focus on something when you're praying in tongues. Don't leave your mind blank. Don't allow it to wander. Don't allow it to wander. It might be on the scripture, right? It might be, you know, just like what I said earlier, you know, might be listening to one of our messages, you know, or an anointed music, not just every music, because music creates atmospheres, right? It might be a music, it might be a message. As you're doing it, you are listening, or you are praying in the Holy Ghost, because the Bible says that when you pray, your understanding is unfruitful. What that simply means is that your mind, you see, is not engaged, it's your spirit that is praying. So you can give your mind something to focus on. Or else it will, it will travel around the whole world. It will go to North America, go to South America, go to Europe. <laughs> you know, you can be in church and cook three course me while you are praying in tongues. If you don't give your mind something to focus on, right? So when you're the amount of us, that has happened to you when you are praying in tongues. Ah, it happens to me too. Praise the Lord. But the moment I notice this happening, I just, oh, don't leave your mind blank. And I make sure I focus on something. It might even be, you know, we've spoken about vision boards before in this house, painting a picture of your future. You might just have a picture in front of you. It might be on your phone. Bring it out and just keep looking at it and praying in tongues. You see, it will get to a point you just realize, you think, you see, it's in the mid-date, right? Or in the early stages, or in the few minutes when you're starting out that you need that. The moment you get into the flow, right, the Holy Spirit will begin to bring pictures into your mind that you might still be, someone that is looking at you might think you are still looking at that thing, but you are gone. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? But when you're starting out, especially before you get into the flow, right, make sure you don't allow your mind to wander. Hallelujah. All right, so do you want to learn about the third leverage? Let's go to Psalms 5 and verse 12. Psalms 5 and verse 12. Psalms chapter 5. And verse 12. I wish we had the amplified version, but it's all right. I'll read it from here. From the King James Version, it says, For you, O Lord, will do what? Let's read it together once ago. For thou, O Lord, will do what? 
bless the righteous and with what with favor you will compass him as with a shield so when you look at the um character after righteous it is a semicolon right and in english we are made to understand when you say semicolon it simply means the next phrase or statement is dependent or um it's right it's not independent of the previous statement so when the bible says the lord will bless the righteous the next statement is simply explaining to us what it will bless the righteous with that is you can even say that the explanation of that blessing is the next statement so it says with favor you will surround him that word compass simply means to surround him as with a shield right now the question is who is the righteous who is the righteous the righteous is the redeemed right the bible says let the redeemed of the lord say so that's why i said i prefer the amplified version of this particular passage of scripture the amplified version says for you lord will bless the uncompromisingly righteous him who is upright and in right standing with you as with a shield you will surround him with favor goodwill pleasure right you will surround him with goodwill pleasure and favor now righteousness there are two parts to righteousness there is right doing and there is right there is right standing right you might want to write that down righteousness is in two parts number one is right doing and number two is right standing right doing simply means the practice of holiness doing the things god has said obeying his laws and his commandments right <clears throat> right standing is what happens when you give your life to christ right standing has nothing to do you know you can never get to that point where you are right standing with god only jesus could have made that possible for you and i so when the bible says that it will bless the righteous here is not talking just about the one that you know uh, um, is very holy you know doing things right crossing the seas dotting the highs it's talking about the one that is in right standing with god so the bible says it will surround him with favor as with a shield so the third leverage of the believer is the leverage or what i call the favor factor the favor factor the favor factor you and i need to understand that there is a favor factor so are you good sure praise the lord there is a favor every a dimension of favor every believer must trust god for or release their faith for there is a dimension of favor you see and let me say this up front right because i might not be able to get into it because there's a dimension of favor i want to talk about tonight you see there is favor with god and there is favor with man the reason a lot of believers struggle on this earth is not that they don't have favor with god it's because they don't understand how to invoke favor with man i hear what i'm saying you see and you need to understand that what it takes i think i've preached that message before at the whole church i can't remember the title maybe it was you know a, maybe i spoke about it on that message i can't remember but i know i've touched on it before right that there is a way to provoke favor with god and there's a way to provoke favor with man the problem many times is that most believers have favor with god and they've been erroneously taught that all they need is god they don't need any man hmm. When I hear that, I laugh. There are places where they peddle that idea. You don't need God. Um, you don't need man. One with God is a majority. How many of us have heard that before? Rubbish statements. One with God. Because even Jesus, the Bible says, he increased, and I'll get there. The Bible says he increased in favor with God and with man. 
So when God himself came to the earth, he knew that he needed favor with the people he created to fulfill his assignments. So the Bible says that God will bless the righteous with favor. Why didn't he say he will bless the righteous with money? With abundance, with gold. Okay, let's say they were not spending money that time. Why didn't the Bible say that? Why didn't he say that? The, and the Lord will, you know, bless him with cattle, silver, and in gold, and a thousand sheep. Why didn't he say that? Because favor is a factor, it's a currency that can bring every other thing. A man that only has money is a poor man. I don't care how much the money is, because there are places and there are things you can never get done with money. But with favor, you can get almost anything on the earth done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter how fantastic a product is, no matter how fantastic your ideas are, no matter how skilled, how talented you are, if you don't have favor, your struggles will be endless. <laughs> favor is a byproduct of the blood. I want us to write that down. Favor is a byproduct of the blood. What do I mean by that? Favor never happens without sacrifice. Never. If you see a man, a business, an idea that is being preferred in life and in the marketplace, there is a sacrifice that has gone into that thing. And there is not, you see, the greater sum of sacrifice is the sacrifice of life. Because when we're talking about blood, the Bible says the life, you know, um, of the flesh is in the blood. Is in the blood. So, when God was going to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, God wanted to bless them. But, you know, God did not bless them, as it were. What he gave them was favor. It was favor that brought every other thing they needed. Let's go to Exodus 3. Exodus chapter 3, we'll read 19 to 23. Exodus chapter 3, we'll read verse 19 to verse 23. Exodus chapter 3, and verse 19 to 23. What happened before this you know, passage of scripture we're about to read was that when God was about to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, he gave Moses an instruction for the children of Israel. He said, let every household get a lamb. And what are you going to do? You're going to kill the lamb. And you will take the blood, right, and smear it on your doorpost. So that when the angel of destruction comes, the Bible says it will pass over. Right? So there was already, you see, and there is no way they can put the blood on their lintel, on their post, house post or whatever, if the blood has not yet touched the ground. So a sacrifice was already made. Exodus chapter 3, verse 19 to 23. The Bible says, and I am sure that the king of Egypt right will not let you go from verse 19 no not by a mighty hand and i will stretch out my hand and smite egypt with all my wonders which i will do in the midst thereof and after that he will let you go and i will give these people favor did you see that in the sight of the egyptians and it shall come to pass that when you go you shall not go empty see let me tell you this if I go for that. Favor is the cure for emptiness. If your bank account is empty, if your life is empty, if business is not working, you see, what you need is an increase in favor. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Look at what God said. God didn't say that they will not go out empty. The first thing he said is, I will place favor upon them. And when they go, they will not go empty. 
He says, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. I think we have another translation. What does it say? I think the HCSB or whatever, right? It says, and you shall spoil. I love the way one translation says, it says, and you will plunder. It says they will plunder the Egyptians. Plunder. What does it mean to be favored? Number one, to be favored is to be liked. Okay, I think that's what this version also says. says, So you will plunder the Egyptians. To plunder simply means you take away the material and financial possessions. And you say, they didn't do it by force. They did it by favor. Now, some might think, oh, why is it, why would God do that? The reason was because Egypt had been unfair to the Egyptians, to the Israelites. Their forefathers had labored for 430 years and they were never paid any wages. So everything that their fathers and forefathers had labored for for 430 years, God transferred it overnight through favor. I don't know if anybody has lost anything in this house, but tonight there will be a transference in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, there doesn't have to be a shaking. The Bible says, believe the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe also his prophets and you'll prosper. I decree and declare, if there is anything that's been taken from anyone forcefully, I decree a restoration tonight. In the name of Jesus. For some of us, what is going to happen is what our parents labored for that they never enjoyed. The enjoyment will come to you. The adverse will come to you. In the name of Jesus. Some of us, our parents prayed, they fasted, they labored, they helped others. Those people backstabbed them. They never enjoyed the harvest. I decree and declare the harvest will not bypass you. In the name of Jesus. You will eat from that harvest. Your children will eat from it. Your children's children will eat from it. In the name of Jesus. To be favored is to be alive without logical explanation. Please write it down. So when we're talking about favor, you'll not just be thinking it is one feeling people just... No, 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 no. You need to know what it means. To be favored is to be liked without logical explanation. When people just like you and the likeness does not make sense. Even you, when people ask, why does this person like you? They say, ah, even me, I don't know. What did you do for this person? Ah, really, I can't tell. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, I pray that after talking about this, because this is not what I plan to talk about on Sunday, but as it's going, I'm not sure I'll be able to, you know, finish everything I want to talk about. But one of my prayers and I desire for you is that may you never live your life again without a strong desire for fear. That prayer is a strong prayer. (laughs) See, I've enjoyed favor and I've lived my life without favor and I know the difference. I know the difference. There are people, you see, um, who by maybe reason of um, the past did not treat maybe First Lady and I well. Over the past few years, they, it's just that they can't, we can see that question in their eyes. What exactly are these guys doing? But they can't ask. Let me tell you this. You can live a life of struggle. Huh? You can do it for 10 years. And when favor comes upon you, you can get in one week what you didn't get in 10 years by struggle. I've been there. (laughs) To be favored, number two, is to be found attractive. (laughs) It's not Mary Kay that makes you attractive. There's a place for Mary Kay and we'll get there. It's not about designer. (laughs) Haven't you seen people who don't wear designer? And the ones the designer wear has come to them. (laughs) I I like you. You're looking good. (laughs) 
who made it? <laughs> Taylor Laurent, you <laughs> Suradi Taylor. <laughs> to be found attractive. To be found attractive. I'm trying to break it down so we have an understanding of what favor is. Number three, to be favored is to be preferred. To be preferred. It simply means there are other choices. To be favored is not to be the best, though. it's just to be preferred. David was not the best in his father's house. As a matter of fact, when Samuel got into his father's house, God, when God told Samuel, go anoint the king, God did not tell him who he was going to anoint. So by reason of, you know, gait, composure, looks, you know, standing, even when Samuel saw Eliab, he said, ah, ah, this is the king. He was about to anoint him. God said, no, he's not the one. So it simply means David was... Do you know what it means? They had gone from the first son to the second son to the last son. And someone must have been wondering, is it that I didn't hear God? How could God reject everyone? He now had to ask the fact, do you have another son? He said, uh, yes, 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 yes. It simply means he was forgotten. So he could not have been the best. But what happened? It was the preferred. That's favor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That even the people that are better, they look at us. Ah, I don't know what they saw in now. I don't know what they saw in him. May that be your testimony. In the name of Jesus. That even you, you look at yourself and say, what exactly did they see in me? That would be your testimony. In the name of Jesus. You see, when a man is preferred, everything about him will be preferred. When a woman is preferred, everything about her will be preferred. To be favored also means to experience positive partiality. It is obvious the way they are treating you, there is partiality. But the one treating you does not care about people's opinion. I love this. To be favored is to be credited with someone else's years of labor, integrity, and credibility. Write that down, never forget it. To be favored is to be credited with someone else's years of labor, integrity, and credibility. What do I mean by that? When people have labored and worked for something for years, let me tell you this, they don't part with it easily. No sane person does. No sane person, you see, sometimes what people, you see, when you have not met truly successful people, there are things you'll be, you'll be, you see, when I hear some people, the way they attack successful people, I know they've never met success. They've never been in a circle of success. That's why they are talking that way. If you see the sacrifices successful people make in order for them to become who they are, you will know that you should not give access to just any stupid person. So people say things like, ah, you know, they don't even give someone access. They don't give somebody, they don't give people platform. They cannot give you platform. Because you don't know the sweat that went into creating that platform. So when someone has invested so much in their own reputation, invested so much in their life's work, and they now credit it. What do I mean by that? Let me give you a, a simple story. I read a book, um, a story sometimes in um, Dr. Mike Mudok's book many years ago about a young lawyer. I've said the story before. Some of us may, may have heard it, right? Um, so he was trying to get the attention of this lawyer. A successful lawyer in the city, right, in New York. And he just couldn't get his attention. But over time, the successful older lawyer, you know, just began to take a liking towards him. So he gave him an appointment on this particular day to come see him in the office, right? So 
It was on Wall Street where the top people in the world, you know, business people were. So, 8 a.m., the man didn't see him. 9 a.m., he didn't see him. 11 a.m., 12. The guy was already getting angry. That does this man, the fact that you're more successful, you know, and that's what some of us do. Is it because they have not achieved it? Right? Which we are coming up now. God will take us there one day. <laughs> Maybe the guy was already thinking that way. So lunch break came and the man stepped out of his office. Right? You know, and he told the guy, oh, let's go on lunch together. And the man wanted to start, you know, I'm here to ask questions. So he said, no, let's talk about something else. So it was just taking a walk with him. You know, they were walking down Wall Street together. And when they got to a particular place, you know, lunch break in the United States is not a serious break. It's not like Nigeria. So you have lunch break. I sit behind your system. <laughs> so it's the time everybody leaves work and everybody's on the street, right? So when they got to a particular place, the man just said, you know what? I need to get back to the office, right? I'll see you some other time. The young guy was angry. Like, you mean I just sat down for the last almost six hours just to take a walk down Wall Street? The guy was angry. He went back to his office. Lo and behold, the next day he started getting calls. The kind of calls he had never gotten before in his life. It was then that it dawned on him that what that man did by walking down the streets with him was to credit him with his own reputation. He was trying to tell everybody on Wall Street, if I can take a walk down the street with this guy together, whatever I can do, he can do. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? One of the greatest honor of my life, it has only happened once was the day, you know, I think it was one of my pastor's birthday, like maybe five, six years ago. I was even very far from this then. <laughs> you know, so I, I was, you know, in their church and they just told me that everyone said you'll be preaching for service. I said, eh, I almost wanted to die. <laughs> you know, I died resurrected. I said, what? Preach where? I said, so, and of course, you can't reach him at that time. Ah, so I said, God, what am I going to say? You know, but you know what that means? And I know he was going to watch the service. You know what it means to sit down and your teacher is teaching. Uh, you, are, you are teaching your teacher. You know, and his wife was going to be there. All the leaders, the people that saw me grow when I was nothing. The people that had known me for the past 15 years. That's crediting someone else's with your own years of labor, integrity, you know, and reputation. That's favor. Because he doesn't just do that with anybody. And he, does, he has not done that with anybody since that time. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So that is favor. When someone has labored for something and they hold you in a... You see, many of us don't understand that mentorship is a demonstration of favor. It's a demonstration of favor. That's why many people mis misuse it, abuse it. They go to... <laughs> the fact that you even have access. Do you know how many people will do things with you just because they saw you with a particular person? Favor is to be credited with someone else's years of labor, integrity, and credibility. And please understand this. As a believer, it is your right. You see, if you don't have that understanding, you may never walk in it. You must have that understanding that it is my right. <laughs> As a believer, you see, when you have this understanding, anywhere you get to, you will stand out. You will stand out. I said this with all sense of humility. There is no way I get to that I don't stand out. No matter how long it takes me to get there. I just stand out. I just stand out. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? I just stand out. No matter, no matter the place. Except God is not sending me to that place and is not connecting me to that relationship. I just stand out. It begins with an understanding. 
that it is my right. I must be. Some people don't expect because even as they are going to some place, they are already looking down on themselves. Ah, me. Ah, this place. I don't fit into this place. So if you have that mindset, you can never experience evil. It starts with a belief system. It starts with a conviction that as a child of God, are you saved? If the answer is yes, you are truly, truly saved. You are the blessed, right? Sorry, you are the righteous, the redeemed. Then it is your right to be favored. Because the Bible says it will bless the righteous and with favor, it will surround him as with a shield. So it simply means whoever is looking at me, because it will surround from whatever direction they are seeing me. They will not see my faults. They will only see my good side. Because everybody has faults. But favor is what makes them see only the positive things about you. And say, ah, pastor, is not, you say, that's why me, I've never been a fan of, it's not wrong, you know, but I've not just never been a fan of, you know, public accolades and all those things. It's not wrong. Like I keep saying, it's not wrong. But sometimes I believe that most times people do it out of pressure and it is lies. Sometimes people just, you know, add salt to pepper. Because there are people that when they give me public accolades, it means more to me than if just anybody does. For instance, if you see me from a distance and you are giving public accolades, it means nothing to me because you don't really know me. But if my wife gives positive accolades and people that have known me for years, they have seen my negative side. They see me shout. They see me angry. They see me react. And they still say something good. Then I believe it. But you can't just say something. Ah, you know, you're the man of God. They know, just wait. <laughs> I may still shout at you one day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, <I'm, laughs> especially when it comes to projects. I want to get something done. Ah, then you will know me. After we have done a project, Mr. Ezekiel knows me very well now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, that's, that's, that's what you see. There is nothing wrong, just like I keep saying, in positive accolades. That's what the Bible means, that it will surround you. It simply means people have seen you from every side. And they still say, no, we still want to do something with this person. They've seen your errors. If I, they know what you cannot do well. And she say, no, it's the one we are going to give it to. That's favor. That's favor. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? That is favor. My prayer for you is that God will magnify your positive sides. In the name of Jesus. You know, I read a scripture. I'll show, you know, for those of us that are going to be at Conclave, I'll show you that scripture. It's a scripture that's been in my spirit. God wanted to create confusion between a particular guy. You know, one of the sons of Gideon. After Gideon died, right? Um, he had a bastard. And the bastard killed all the sons of Gideon. He killed all of them. And he began to reign. One escaped, actually. You see, and the Bible says that the one that escaped now told the people in the land and said, is this the reward you will give to our father for everything he did for Israel? The Bible says when the process of time came, you see, King James Version says God put a evil spirit between that son and the people. But you see, that's why I love um, real Bible. I'm not saying other Bibles are fake. Bibles that have reference, that expand. It's not evil because I've told us several times, God does not have evil spirits. He can only give what he has. That word evil spirit, the original translation is heal spirits. Heal will. That is, they just stop liking him. So that was what God did. The people that crowned him king and said after Gideon, yo, you killed the other sons, no problem, we make you king. All of a sudden, they just started eating him. That's what he will. You know, there are some people, they are so good at what they do. They are so smart, but they just have ill will. And let me tell you this, heal will is real. People just don't like them. They want you, what else am I supposed to do? And you see someone that seems not to be doing so much and people just like him. 
If I seems as if the person is not even serious. You go, ah, this guy, he plays so much. She plays so much. But people just prefer that person. May you not experience he will. In the name of Jesus. Also understand that favor is a destiny catalyst. Favor is a destiny catalyst. That is, it is an accelerator of progress. An accelerator of progress. An accelerator of progress. Also please understand that struggle is evidence of the absence of favor. A believer was never made to struggle. No, 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 no. With the Holy Ghost on your inside, with the capacity for divine guidance and you are still struggling. No, 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 no. Something is amiss. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, if you can have it, Luke 2, 52. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. One, two, go. Let's read it out loud. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with what? With God and do you see that? But the focus there is the Bible says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. So if favor can increase, it can diminish. So never forget that. Write that down. Hmm. The problem, see, if you see that a door was once open to a man and all of a sudden he no longer has access to where the door was once open to him, it's because the favor has reduced. It has reduced. Many people think that because God gave them favor with certain individuals or personalities or into certain places, the favor will always be there. It doesn't work that way. I've seen people with all sense of humility that <laughs> I knew who used to have access to greatness. But over the years, they were losing it. Some I saw as they were losing it. Unfortunately, they did not know they were already losing it. And it takes discernment to know when you are beginning to lose favor. Because the problem is many people don't know until they lose it entirely. And when you lose, you see, it is better not to have had favor than to have it and lose it. And now try to get it back. That was what happened to Vashti. Remember the story of Vashti? Because of time I can't go into it. Esther chapter 1. The Bible says that there was a feast. The king, right, you know, was throwing a party. He was so excited. And he sent for his wife. He said he wanted her to display her beauty, you know, out of his ego. Vashti must have forgotten that the reason why she's queen is because somebody made her queen. <laughs> she said, no, she's not coming. She also has her own party for the women. She was the minister of women affairs. And the Bible says, a man by the name of Memukan. May God deliver you from the Memukans of life. But you too know how to position yourself before the Memukans of life. The Bible says the advisors of the king, especially Memukan, said, oh king, what she has just done, is not a disrespect against you, it's a disrespect against the empire. He said, if you allow this to just slip by, he said, every woman in the empire will start disrespecting their husband. King, make it a decree that she will no longer stand before you. That's how she was banished forever. And you cannot say, the king can say, okay, I don't want to see you again, and you now go and remarry. Who will remarry you? They will kill the two of you. So it simply means that she was in a house and the king never saw her till she died. So she was as good as a widow. Because she lost favor. May you not lose favor. In the places where God has given you favor, may you not lose it. So how do you provoke favor? How do you provoke favor? Wherever I get to, I'll I'll, I'll just stop tonight. In the brevity of time I have left. How do you provoke it? Number one, expect it. Expect it. Somebody say expect it. I can't hear you say expect it. 
Proverbs 23 and verse 7. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. You must think like a favored person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must think like it. Some people don't think like a favored person. In fact, <laughs> you see, when I'm not favored in a place, that's when I am surprised. Ah, no, 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 no. Something is wrong. I will retreat and go back. And the next time I'm going back, I won't go normally. No, no, no. I would like to go to a place. I expect to be favored. You must expect it. How can you submit a proposal? You see, let me tell you this. You must have that mindset that no matter how good others are, even if you are not as good as them, even if your degree is not as much as theirs, they may have degrees more than a thermometer, but they have something I don't have. And, or I have something they don't have, and that is favor. It's a favor degree. It supersedes every other degree. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You must expect it. You want to go for an interview, you want to go for a defense, you want to go to an embassy, whatever. Expect not to be denied. Expect it. Some people, you see, some people in their mind, even the way they carry themselves, their body language already says that this person knows he's not meant to be here. So they just approve and confirm what you are already thinking about yourself. They just say, ah, what, what, what do you want to go do there? You say, eh, actually, oh, actually, you don't have a, mm, come back. <laughs> By the time they stamp your passport, stamp it, stamp it, stamp it several times, it become a problem. So every, so every other country wonders, why did they reject? Why did they reject? You must expect it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are not sure you'll be favored, don't go to a place. Until you have done your homework. And one of the ways to get to that place where you are sure you'll be favored is to pray in tongues. That's why I'm teaching this thing chronologically. You stir it up. Because when you start, you see, one of the reasons people don't expect to be favored is fear. Already told us that one of the ways we deal with fear is by praying in the Spirit. I talked about that in church on Sunday. So get the message and listen to it. You stir up that spirit. You stir it up. Until, you see, even the way you walk in, you already, the way they see you, they know that ah, it's as if you have received it. Like you have received the job, received the approval, received it. That even if they reject you, you know it's their loss, not yours. It must be that God has something better. That even though they are wondering, ah, why is this person this excited? We just rejected you. He said, ah, aren't you concerned? He said, no, no, you didn't reject me. You redirected me. It's a rejection. It's a rejection because I expect to be favored. So if God shuts this door, it's because it's probably not my door. Because prisons also have doors. So if I enter, it might be a prison. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? Expect it. Never live a day of your life without expecting favor. You want to do a deal? You, want, you see, one of the things I learned very early, I learned this from Dr. Mike Mudok. He said, don't ever get into transactions where you don't experience favor. One of the ways I knew God wanted us to be here was so many favor we enjoyed. Never do. You get to a place and I say, oh, this thing is 10 naira. You now get it and say, ah, we have changed our mind. It's not 100 naira. You are now begging, ah, please, reduce it to 50. And I say, ah, okay, let's just help you. We do it 80. You don't come back and say, so actually that thing, it's not everything we give you, we withdraw some. Just leave it. Where there is no favor, there is no good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Next, declare it over your life consistently. Declare it. Wake up in the morning and say, today the favor of God is upon me. If you have to lay your hands upon yourself, if you have to pour anointing oil upon your own head, lay your hands with oil, do it. As I step out today, everyone that sees me favors me. 
Everyone that sees me prefers me. As I submit that proposal, it becomes a preferred. The favor of God rests upon the works of my hand. You declare it. Why? Because your words are more than empty sounds. They are more than human sounds. They are spiritual, creative ingredients. When God wanted to create the earth, what did he create with words? In the beginning, the Bible says, and God said. And let me tell you this. Favor is a spiritual force that can be invoked with words. That can be invoked with words. You step out to say, Father, I thank you because your favor is upon me. You said it will bless the righteous and with favor you will compass me as a shield. Let your favor rest upon me today. As I step out, let everyone that sees me prefer me. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, the single, the married. Everybody that sees me prefers me. But I thought you would be saying it as I'm saying it. Some of you are just looking at me. I give you one few seconds, 30 seconds. Just speak favor over your life. Come on. Come on. Put the word to work. Put it to practice. Put it to work. Is there a project you're trying to execute? Is there a proposal you want to submit? Is there an interview you want to go for? Speak over your life. Speak over that thing. Call the name of your business. Call it as a personality. Decree and declare the favor of God is upon it. Speak over your children. Speak over your brain child. Speak over your biological children. Speak, 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 speak. Oh, my family is a favored family. Everyone that sees us, my name carries favor. In the name of Jesus. No door is permitted to be shut against my lineage. In the name of Jesus. The mention of the gateway church commands favor. Everywhere the gateway church is mentioned, favor rises up. The spirit of favor is invoked to work in our favor. In the name of Jesus. We enjoy favor in this community. Favor with the young. Favor with the old. Favor with the single. Favor with the married. In the name of Jesus. I'm favored. I'm preferred. From everywhere, from every angle, I'm preferred. Favored in Jesus' name. Amen. Job 22, 28. Sometimes you can just do that in your house. You see, let spiritual practice be a lifestyle. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Let it be a lifestyle. That's why you must surround and associate yourself, you know, with people that are spiritually minded. People that are spiritually minded. People that are spiritually minded. Like you are just with your friend. You guys can even be watching Netflix. You just feel a staring and you just stand up. I'm favored. You know, if you are working with carnal people, they will look at what's wrong with this. Let's finish our film. Spiritually minded people will pause it and they will join you. You guys can be there for the next three hours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you can just feel that staring. Open your mouth and start talking. Don't do it at work. We fire you and ride fully so. <laughs> Except your boss is a spiritually minded and he starts with him and he says, Join me. But you don't start it if you are working somewhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. So that's why it's good to work with spiritually minded people. Sometimes you see, that's why I'm very selective, selective with the people I call friends. In fact, one thing I'm even doing now because of the way the world is, I'm even selective now with the numbers I have on my phone. Very selective. You know. <laughs> I was telling you, a couple of weeks ago, I was one of our mentors and he preached a powerful message. And he just, I just told my wife, I said, the Akin, you need is not the same Akin that's coming back. I just took my phone and I started deleting numbers. Deleting, I said, no, no, no. The next level I want to go to, these people, they can't be on my phone. It's, it's not, I don't have anything against them. But the level of spirituality and understanding is, uh, it's, it's different. So if I still have your number, I can still be seeing each other on WhatsApp. 
Don't even see me. And I don't want to see you. I don't even want to know you exist. We'll meet where we are going together. If God says we ever meet together again. It's, it's not. You see, we must understand that the light, the higher you want to fly, the lighter must be your weight. It must just be. Dear man of God, I respect, you know, he's a senior friend. We're talking today and we just realized that <laughs> it was meant to be a cultic call and it lasted for almost two hours. Talking about spiritually minded things. Do you have those kind of people in your life? Sometimes you just wake up. You know, <laughs> I hope you are, may you marry somebody like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I, it's not a prayer, make sure you marry somebody like that. Not someone that says, what is all this prayer, prayer? Calm down. Is this life is not that serious. Really? You think so? <laughs> you just wake up. Or you are just doing certain things. It may be the weekend. You just go, ah. the person will say, ah, but we are just coming from church. No, because you know that church is a place of equipping. You get home and you practice it. You just begin to declare the words, declare the words, declare the words. And everybody joins you. And everybody's declaring. Hallelujah. So declare it over your life. Job 22 and verse 28. Job 22 and verse 28. What does it say? Who shall declare it? God? Angels? It says you shall also. So you see that word also. You know we can't go into the previous verse. Also simply means in addition. See it is one thing to say. It's another thing to decree. Many of us don't only say. And you only pray. You don't decree. Last year, I taught on this difference. I got that revelation last year myself. I think it was the sixth or the fifth day. Was it last year or upper year? Seven days of unprecedented breakthroughs, right? The messages are still on the website. If you can get it, get it and listen to it. <laughs> Many believers have not entered into certain realms of fulfillment and results because we are only praying, we are not speaking. And there is a difference. The Bible says you shall also. It is that you will pray. There are things you pray for. There are things you decree. Because God has done his part. It is left to you to say it. And when you are saying it, you don't say it like it with a prayer mode. No, you pray it with a dominion consciousness. It says you shall decree a, a, a thing and it shall be established. It really means if you don't decree it, it won't be established. If you pray it and you don't decree it, it will still not be established. That's why you see a lot of frustrated prayer warriors. Said so the girl gets to a point now because God, what have you? I'll pray, I'll fast it. Thinking God is moved by tears. There's a kind of tears that moves God. I'm not saying tears does not move Him, right? That has to be tears in faith, not tears after manipulation and frustration. That God, what does He want me to do? Do what He told you to do. You won't need to be crying those kind of tears. You shall also decree a thing and it will be established unto you. When was the last time you decreed and declared favor over your life? When was the last time? What was the last time? I told us there was a time. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Where, you see, the reason why many of us don't engage spiritual practices is because we have options. That's why. That's why. I remember there was a time, you know, there was even a time my wife was even oblivious of it. She would have slept because she's more of a Haneli sleeper. I would take her checks, you know, ATMs, everything, wallets, pull it out, and I'll begin to speak to it. I'll do it in the night because then we had a lot of people living with us before they think Pastor has run mad. I can't remember the last time I did that because I've declared words that are forever into operation. I don't need to do that again. Now, I'm not saying I can still not do it. There's an amount of finances that we expect and I will do it. And I will speak over everyone. Money is coming here. Money. I can't remember the last time that one account, I have one account and it's zero. How can you have an account and it's reading zero? How? 
when you have a mouth and you are thinking it is normal. See, let me tell you this. <laughs> the Holy Spirit taught me something two years ago that has revolutionized the way I think. He said, if you don't attack something immediately, it will become your new normal. The moment something starts, it will change. It will change. It will change. You better change it. Because it will change. If it will change, you will be the changer. <laughs> if it's going to change, you have to be the one to change it. Things are not working. You decree. You don't wait. Don't wait and waste away. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty three. Are you blessed tonight? Mark eleven twenty three. The Bible says you will all, always have what you say. That's the way one translation puts it. But the King James Version says you shall have whatsoever you say. I've quoted this several times. That's why I'm not quoting the um, full passage. He says, whosoever will say to this mountain, be that removed, you see, and be that cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he said, he didn't say the things that God said. Did you see that? He says, but believe the things, those things that which he says shall come to pass. Many of us believe what God has said, but we don't believe what we are saying. <laughs> you can believe what God said, and you'll still be struggling. You need to get to a point whereby you believe your own words. That if I say it, it must happen. Because God's word in my mouth is as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. I would like call money for it and money will not answer me. Is he alright? Or is it alright? See, and don't just say that because I said it. The revelation from that is one day I was reading my Bible and said, ah, money is paper now. At least as we know it right now. Before it becomes completely digital. So, money is from where? It's paper. Where is paper from? Trees. Jesus spoke to trees. Trees responded. I'm not speaking to tree. I'm speaking to derivative of tree. Tree. The original product had him. So I'm speaking to derivative. Why will you not hear me? So you want furniture. Furniture is from where? Tree. Speak to the derivative. If your master could speak to the main thing and it appeared, speak to the derivative to show up. Same thing with favor. You must speak favor over your life when you want to step out with the consciousness that when I say it, you see, you must say it and when you say it, believe it that it's already on you. Not, ah, so she said, did it work? It's worked. I hear what I'm saying. That's the reason why it never works for most people. They are saying, ha, I hope this thing I said, I hope it worked though. So you are saying before that interview, ah, that favor I declare, I hope it worked though. <laughs> the way this person is looking at me. I don't care how you look at me. If you are looking at me, so I know that it's favor that is working. It is working. Somebody say it is working. When you see an abalist or somebody that they give a charm that is a ring, do you see how confident those people are? They say, he may not have tried it before, but he believes that his abalist gave him it will work. And God has given you something more than I was talking with a friend of mine. He told me about it's a good place to celebrate God, right? You know, what they use for their church is an hotel. I saw something happened recently in the facility that most times when they finish service, they see all these, you know, boys, Yahoopolos guys come around with beakers and everything. He said that something happened maybe two weeks ago, thereabouts, you know, I don't think, I'm not sure yet, maybe it's public knowledge, but of course it would have been public knowledge, you know. And this guy, apparently, one of the rituals for the money is that, you know, he drives around with a dog and at a particular time, he must back with the dog. You know, so the backing competition. <laughs> so the mom came to, mom had that, maybe the mom needed money, came to meet him at the hotel, you know. 
and they were looking for him, they didn't see him. So the mom saw him in the car backing. And you must not interrupt that process. So the mom was, ah, why is my son backing? Why is my son backing? You know, call the crowd. They opened, forcefully opened the car. And the guy continued backing from there. The backing didn't stop. Obviously, he ran mad. How will somebody believe backing will produce money? He believes it. So how will God tell you decree a thing and it will happen and you don't believe it? Is a man that said, if you back, money will be coming. Now, the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth says, if you decree, he said, you shall have whatsoever you say. You know how I know you don't believe it? You are not saying it. You see, if many of us believe God like we believe our doctors, our lives will be different. If you go to the hospital, the doctor says, take two in the morning, two in the afternoon. You will follow it so religiously because you don't want to die of sickness. But he said, decree this, he said, you forget. The fact that you forget is because you don't believe it can work. That's why you are forgetting. That's why you are forgetting. You want the release of favor, you want to invoke it over your life, you want to step out, Father, I thank you. You are not, you see, let me tell you this. You don't decree, I've said it, prayer is different from decree. You don't decree something you are unsure of. You decree because you are already sure it's in operation, it's your right. That's where we started from. You must believe as a believer it is your right. So it's not, Father, please, oh, give me, uh-uh. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You decree, Father, I thank you. That's faith. Remember, you can only get this through faith. Father, I thank you because as I step out today, your favor is at work in my life. From the north, from the south, from the east and the west. People remember me for good. I am preferred. Anything I put out there gets the response of quality people. All the people that are calling you, they are pricing your products like tomato. Speak favor over that thing. Such that it becomes the preference of kings. Somebody hearing what I'm saying tonight? Let's give it a practice one more time. I'll round that up tonight. I'll round up there tonight. Declare favor. Declare favor. Favor over the works of your hand. Favor over your business. Favor over your career. Favor over your finances. The job comes by favor. The clients come by favor. In the name of Jesus. I have no shortage of my heart desires. Oh, money comes by favor. <laughs> I'm a money magnet. I attract abundance in the name of Jesus. I attract surplus in the name of Jesus. By reason of God's favor. I'm preferred above equals. Preferred above contemporaries. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I'm going to pray two prayers tonight.